Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number 109. It's Wednesday. We're midway through the week, June 16th, 16th. 2021. And uh, Dominic, your lighting is looking, you're looking a bit like The Undertaker over there. You got the purple ambiance, a little darker over in your area. How's it going, my friend? It's only right that we talk about The Undertaker, considering we're going to talk about some WWE stuff in this episode. That's true. You know, I'm messing around with the studio. I was walking around at a store today. My sister, shout out Peyton, she mm-hmm. uh, sees this little light at Walmart, and she goes, Bubby, you should put that in your background of your podcast and put the name of the show on it, like a marquee sign. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you're a genius. <laughs> but turns out when I open the box, I only get two of each letter. And if you look at our podcast name, I need four E's, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> so I had to do vowels some, will get you every time. It's always the vowels. So <laughs> I went with um, a little creativity and just put the episode number. So nice. I'll play around with this. You guys will see it look different in the background every now and again. But, uh, yeah, you know, how about you, Noah? How are you? <laughs> I, for one, am very happy with this uh, change because <laughs> – I always have to ask Dom before every episode <laughs> what episode we're on, and now I don't have to because it's you just, just going to be it. right there. Yeah, it's like a little cheat sheet. So, yes. uh, I for one am happy about it. Now I'm doing good, man. Um, again, same old going on over on my end of things. Just I'm happy to be back here to do one of my favorite segments. Yeah, your baby. MMA Reddit Roundtable, um, as the name suggests, I have scoured. We have scoured the the to the burrows of Reddit, YouTube, Twitter to Everywhere. find basically what questions are MMA fans kind of throwing around over really it's been the last couple of weeks, but mostly trying to keep it as close to the last week as possible. Yeah, what, what's topical out there? Yeah, you know, and, and you're going to see, um, as you, this is the third time we're doing this, um, some of our questions here, we have 12 in total. That's what we like to keep it, a nice dozen. Um, but some of them are going to be very topical with kind of fights that just took place or are coming up. And then we have some that are more fun, yeah. more out there, maybe you know, not necessarily involving what's going on right now, but just stuff that we want to talk about. So that's what I love about doing these is that you can kind of just – We just chit-chat. Yeah, just talk about whatever we want to talk about as long as someone – on some Reddit thread or yeah. on some Twitter some post. Some sort is, of social media yeah. platform. And they never thought it would ever be seen by more than their 50 followers or whatever. But guess what? The Joe saw it. Yeah, the Joes. That's and that's why we're your friend. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I think we're just going to go ahead and hop right in. Give it to yeah. me right now. Come on. Yeah. Number one. <laughs> Number one. And this one is going to be one of those that's a little bit different. Fun. And this, you know, for you guys, hopefully you'll enjoy this one in particular because maybe it, get, it lets you know a little bit more about us. And that's because the question proposed, and I don't have the names for the people proposing these this time. I figured I'd just save that for when people send them directly right. to me. So I don't have to say Captain Cumsock every week and stuff like that. Yes. So uh, it, number it was one. legendary while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> nice run he had. But uh, number one. What are your favorite athletes of all time in the following sports? MMA, Major League Baseball, American football, basketball. And I threw a fun one in there because I've been talking about it the last couple weeks. WWE. And I figure we'll just give one for each. It can be 
what it, I mean, when it's all time, you know, it's not just about the modern day. It's also about who we grew up with. That oh, yeah. that a lot. I don't know if that's how it feels for you. For me, who I was big on as a kid is big for like kind of who I look back on the most fondly. Yeah, for sure. So let's start with MMA. Who is okay. your favorite MMA fighter of all time? I mean, I, I know who it is. I'm just setting it up. Come on. He's just not on the wall back here. That's all. Yeah. Uh, Anderson, the spider Silva, man. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast today. The things he did, the records, the accolades, the title defenses, the way he fought everyone was just so incredible to me as a little kid during his prime. We've never seen anything like it. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again. 16 straight victories, countless memories, countless UFC pay-per-view headliners. It's just I could go on and on all day. But, again, Anderson the Spider Silva, I'm not sitting right here every week with you talking about MMA if it wasn't for that man. It's a good point. It's a good point. For me, I don't know if I've ever really actually answered this. I don't know if I've had to. I've had a, I've had a few options. Like I always throw out like three or four, but uh, truthfully, my favorite MMA fighter of all time is going to be ruthless Robbie Lawler. Oh, um, to me, it's all about what does the guy do when he gets in the octagon, win, lose, or draw. And Robbie Lawler is the is the reason for that. Puts on because a show. he he didn't always win, and even to this day, he's not always winning. But he constantly comes in to knock your head off, put on a good performance. And he, the intensity the guy shows, the heart he shows, and when he won the belt over Johnny Hendricks, and then that that back to back fight of the years he had with uh, Rory McDonald and then oh, Carlos man. Condit. Regardless, of, a lot of people think he lost that fight with Carlos Condit. That's completely True. fair. Very close fight. Doesn't matter. The guy brought it, and then you know, obviously he he's not the same fighter anymore, but. Um, to see that, like, at one point in his UFC career, he was looked at as a bit of a failure. He was a hot yep. prospect early on, uh, kind of got starched by a couple guys, including Nick Diaz, funny enough. Um, then he kind of leaves or gets cut, moves over to places like Strike Force, um, had kind of a middling run. Yeah, I was going to say, there. he didn't even do great over there either. You Pretty know? sure in Strike Force, he had a below 500 record. He was fighting a middleweight, I believe. Yeah. Um, before that, he fought for. Uh, now I'm not going to be able to – one of those promotions that was pretty big at the time. I want to say it was the one Kimbo um, got mm. knocked out in. I can't remember. Yeah, I forget the organization. Now. I'm just blanking on it. But uh, I'm pretty sure he beat, was their champion. So he had some success and some failure when he was away from the UFC. When Strike Force gets bought out, you know, nobody thought Robbie Lawler was going to be much of anything considering at the time he was on a run of like – Four, four out of his last 10 or something yeah. like that. And then he goes on to win the belt. Loses Crazy. the first attempt with Johnny Hendricks and then rematches him and gets it um, and then has an amazing run, but short but awesome run. And then, um, you know, even after he lost the belt, he was still for a while there. Had some moments. Ben Askren fight, man. I, that's one of the biggest reasons that I was crazy. He lost the fight. But <laughs> yeah. Just to see him just, I don't Dumped know. Dumped him that, on that his head. And, oh. Yeah. Just Crazy. taking it to a guy, you know, I, I like Ben Asker, don't get me wrong, but a guy who was, you know, who definitely was talking the talk before his debut for Robbie Lawler just to punch him in the mouth and slam him on his head. It kind of, at oh, the time, yeah. it was just like, this is what I've been waiting for. The that story of Robbie Lawler is quite crazy. 
Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a sad day for me when he uh, hangs them up if he hasn't already. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, right, right. So, uh, Major League Baseball. What, okay. would, what would be one? What would, who would it be for you? Because let's be honest, we're both from the same area, so I believe yeah. we're both Reds fans, right? Yeah, Reds all day for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, I is your favorite g- player gonna be a Reds player of all time? Former Reds player, the kid. Ken Griffey Jr., man, the absolute legend. Grew up, was actually neighbors with my great aunt back in the day when he was a little kid. (laughs) So a little funny story there down in Hamilton, Ohio. What a legend. The swing on that guy to this day, the most pure, beautiful swing in the history. Chef's kiss. Oh, man. I only played baseball until I was 10, but you best believe I was trying to replicate it as much as I could. Just what a legend. The 600 home run club, always smiling, the charm. Has done so much for the sport. A great ambassador. King Griffey Jr. all day for me, man. That's the sport I follow the least out of these, but everybody knows the kid, King Griffey. Yeah, he was very close to being my pick, too. That's what's funny. And what's funny is, even more so than that, is his his run with our favorite team, the Reds, is not the <laughs> not best. Not his best years. Yeah. I mean, plagued with injuries, unfortunately. But obviously, he was still a star in the city. Yeah. He was he was. It was just nice to like have a player like him around, but um, yeah, unfortunately, it never, it, he he dropped off dramatically from when he was with the Mariners, and that's yeah. where he built up that reputation that we talked about. Even backyard baseball, I remember he was with the Reds on there and yeah, yeah. backwards hat going on and stuff. Is very much like how I imagined his personality was like back then. For me, I'm going to go with someone who played with Ken Griffey Jr. on those Mariner teams. However, I most remember him just because when I was uh, first getting into baseball in the early 2000s, he was an Arizona Diamondback. That's going to be the big hurt, Randy Johnson. Okay, okay. Because he was the guy I was most scared of growing (laughs) up in baseball. He would bring me 6'10", left-handed pitcher. The dude looked like Dale Earnhardt, had the, (laughs) the, the thick mustache, the long hair. Um, he looked like someone that I'd be that'd be in my family, truth be told. And uh, he scared the shit out of me, man. I remember I went to uh, the Louisville Louisville Slugger Museum in uh, Kentucky, where they make the bats for a lot yeah. of these players. And I was really young, so I don't remember too much about this. But you know, they just showed us the whole process of uh, making one of these bats and stuff like that. Well, they had some more fun stuff, and one of those was a. Uh, it was like a batter's box where you could stand on the outside of it and you would press a button and next to there was like four or five buttons and there were different pitchers. Yeah. And it yeah. was like you press it and it would show how fast those pitchers threw. So I clicked Randy Johnson and it came straight like towards because where I'm standing at it just came straight towards my head. Yeah. Obviously, I'm outside of this cage and I just like kind of started shaking. And I was like, man. So I just that, that guy, I mean, he hit. He fucking hit a bird in mid-flight with a fastball. That thing exploded. He was once quoted as saying, I don't sleep with the gun. I sleep with the bucket of baseballs. And I, you know what? I, I believe mean, Come on now. That dude was hitting triple digits before it was popular. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was yeah. a legend, man. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, so that's definitely my guy there. Um, we'll transition to the NFL, American football. Huh. This, is, this is the one I struggled with the most, if I'm being honest. I had to do some thinking here as we were going over the topics. See, you're in a, in a unique spot compared to me with football because True. I I don't want to say I've always been like a diehard Bengals fan. I mean, I 
I'll get into this when I get into my pick, but I, I, I've struggled to kind of find my team over the years. Um, and I, I ended up just going with the hometown team for me. Right. You've never really had like a, you've more just enjoyed players. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a fantasy teams. football guru yeah, and that's really the that's biggest true. reason, but even as a young kid, well, that's, well, that's kind of where it's going to come in to who my favorite is. As a young kid, I did follow one team more than others, but I wasn't like a huge fan or anything. It was because of this person, mm. Peyton Manning, baby. He's my all-time GOAT quarterback. I love yeah. everything about the guy, the comedy, and an ambassador for the sport, similar to how I mentioned in King Griffey Jr. It was just so amazing watching him play every Sunday. He could read defenses with ease. He never had the greatest talent, but did have some good receivers over the years with Indy and in Denver. Uh, got two Super Bowl rings, and man, I just loved watching him play. Even his little skits on Saturday Night Live made it That's even better. That's what I was going to say. That's like one so of the best funny. skits ever on that show. Oh, when they're doing the play 60 and he's doinking these kids in the head with footballs. <laughs> yes, exactly. It cracks me up to this day, it. man. Uh, I really had to sit on it and think, but Peyton Manning really – pulled me in to when I started playing fantasy and stuff. So even then, it, it's always been Peyton Manning for me. So this one's going to be easy because that's also my pick. There Peyton you go. Manning. And I was going to say, I had a – there was a time where I would have called myself a Indianapolis Colts fan because yeah. I was just so, like, I just didn't even care about the Bengals at the time. And, I mean, why – hey, I, as a fan of them now, why should you? <laughs> and – uh um, but uh, Peyton Manning, you know, when he was leading these Colts teams that mm. had like Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark and Marvin Harrison for a time. And, oh, man. You know, even guys that weren't as good, but I still remember like Pierre Garçon. And Made Austin him look Colley. good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Joseph Adai was on these mm-hmm. teams. I mean, guys that really once they were outside of that Peyton Manning system, they weren't as yep. good. That's a great way and, to put uh, it. But Peyton Manning was the guy. Um, I it took me such a long time to get off of his defender hill of like him versus Brady, you know. Right. Yeah, it's um, hard I to finally, even really. Do I it finally exceeded that argument after yeah. a few more Super Bowls, but yeah, it's, it took a lot out of me. But yeah, Peyton Manning just he made the game so fun to watch. I, I watched every Colts game from like 2006 to about what, 2010 or something like that for oh, about man. five years, man. In his I mean, prime. It was just, you know, their defenses were never that great, but their offense was just so high-powered. and uh, Oh, the yardage numbers, the touchdowns. Oh, yeah, man. Legend. Next up, NBA basketball. (sighs) This one should – you were a a big basketball fan growing up. Yeah, yeah, I love basketball. Still do. Obviously, I don't follow it as closely because I'm on this MMA grind all the time. But And, I mean, I I know who your pick's going to be, but – Hey, man. Blake Griffin, baby. I love that guy. He's still my favorite player in the league, even though he's not with the Clippers anymore. He's just went through so much too recently with the injuries and stuff. Now he's back on the nets, and they look like a freaking juggernaut. Therefore, the series is tied up 2-2. to I shouldn't say juggernaut, but you get what I'm saying. But, man, Blake Griffin, showtime at the Staples Center, the L.A. Clippers, Lob City. There was nothing like it. Even him, I remember following him in Oklahoma, and that's why I became a Clippers fan. I followed him through college, mm-hmm. and uh, he would win the dunk contest there. He hit his head on the backboard in one of the uh, games he played with Oklahoma. The last college basketball game that I owned, and I think that they even made, 
He was on the cover of it. Yep. I mean, yep. Blake Griffin yep. is the man, one of the most athletic freak of natures we've ever seen in the NBA. The dunks we've seen in game, some of the best we've ever seen. And now he puts it all together. He dribbles, he shoots threes. He's just such a freak, one-of-a-kind athlete. I love Blake Griffin so much, man. Yeah, you're probably the only guy I know in the state of Ohio who is a Los Angeles <laughs> Clippers fan, too. Yes, yes. I had to let him know it didn't just happen when Kawhi and Paul George came over. Oh, it's been yeah, a yeah, long yeah. grind for yeah, me. No one can attest I, to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember, yeah, that it's just so interesting to hear you tell it. But, like, yeah, Blake Griffin, that guy, people watching today might not see oh, it. You man. see the flashes, but at one time, this that dude. guy was the most one of the most electric players in the entire league. Lob City um, was special. Lob City was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, for me, it's going to be a player that's a little less uh, – he's less flashy in the scoring department, not much of a dunker, but flashy in the passing department. That's going to be Rajon Rondo. Oh, I remember you yeah. were a huge Celtics fan, man. Yeah, I forgot see, about this is, again, growing <laughs> up like – you know, I now I consider myself a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Yeah, yeah. That's more by default because we don't have a Cincinnati basketball team. If we did, I'd root for them. So Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, LeBron is kind of too easy of a pick. Right. So, so yes, at one point in time, I was a huge Celtics fan. And that's a team full of stars, right? Yeah, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen. But then there was this guy from Kentucky, Rajon Rondo. <laughs> yeah. Who – by really the end of the 2000s, was in complete control of that offense. And he was the glue that held that team together. When you have all this star power in Paul Pierce, KG, Ray Allen, and he was the guy that made it work. Yeah. The one that ran the offense, who found the open lanes, had some very slick passes that I've always – I always was a fan of just the, like, behind the backs and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, Rajon Rondo, that was a big one for me. And still a good role player to this day because we're talking, you know, 12 (laughs) years ago when that was going on and still putting up some good assist numbers and such. He's lasted a while, man. He really has. You know, there was a time when he kind of first left the Celtics and it didn't look great for him. Yeah. He got traded to Dallas and had a falling out immediately with Rick Carlisle and team there. And, like, it just looked like he was never going to be able to kind of – you know, a lot of people had, including myself, we all had high expectations for Rajon kind of once the band got broken up in Boston. When he would be he his would, own. Yeah, you know? it would be his team, right? Yeah. And he just found out that, like, that's really not the kind of player he is. He's, he's right. not going to be the 20 to 25-point scorer a game. You know, he'll give you 15 on a good, like, on a good night, but he'll give you 15 assists on a good yeah, night, too. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's um, he needs, like, good scores around him to really make his kind of skill set work. And a lot of teams have done a great job of kind of extending that the shelf life for him. I mean, he wanted to ship with the Lakers in the bubble. Yeah. Um, and everybody, now that he has a reputation for it, but I remember like when he hit playoff time, this guy just stepped his game up. And yeah. now he has that reputation for doing that in the playoffs. So I'm glad to see him kind of getting his due. Um, I believe he's with the – He's with Atlanta right now, I believe, because um, he was with the Clippers to start the right. year. Yeah, I believe they trade him to Atlanta, so uh, I believe he's still going right now. And Atlanta's still alive, are they? Yeah, <laughs> how little I've been paying, how little I've been paying attention to basketball yeah. right now. Yeah, 
But uh, last one here, WWE. I've talked about it a couple times on the podcast last couple weeks. This is a tough one for me because there's the one that is, like, probably true. Like, because a lot of this is going to be based off of when we were kids. Right. You know. And there is one name that's, like, sticking out as, like, he was the guy for me as a kid. But um, it's such an obvious one that a lot Mm -hmm. of kids have. But it's Jeff Hardy. I mean, same. I, I thought we had the same one. Yeah, it's Jeff Hardy. But I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and give a few more just yeah, so I can, honorable mention. Yeah, honorable mentions to Rob Van Dam. Yeah, good. The big red machine Kane mm. and the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. <sighs> I broke my freaking neck. <laughs> Those were the four guys for me when I watched growing up. Maybe even Shawn Michaels might be thrown in there too. Yeah, yeah. Um those were the guys, uh, but Jeff Hardy was a level above. Like Jeff, Jeff Hardy, you talk about a guy that just comes in and wants to put on a show for fans and night in and night out. That man put it all on the line. Yes, mm-hmm. we know the WWE state. We get it. We're 23. We understand. But you still got to put your body through this and the athleticism that these guys do and just the beatings that they take. He was jumping off 20-foot ladders, getting speared by edge in midair doing flips and going through tables. I mean, my God. The Hardy Brothers rivalry with Christian and Edge and the Dudley Boys, mm-hmm. dude, that's like one of my all-time favorite tag team like All era three memory. of those ladder matches they had, the two at yeah. WrestleMania and the one at SummerSlam in 2000. Unreal, man. I've, I've been watching that time period lately, and I'm getting really close to WrestleMania, and I just know I'm like, there's that ladder match coming up. Well, and here's the funny story for me. I'm 23, but I'm not ashamed to say this. I love Jeff Hardy so much. I call my grandpa to this day Jeff as like a nickname. Yeah. It's his name in my phone is Jeff. Yes. Because back in the day when I would watch it with him and play with the action figures, he would call me Matt, which he hated because my name is Dominic. But I would always call him Jeff, and that the Matt part hasn't stuck, but the Jeff part that I call him has stuck all the way to now. I mean. It's just I call it. I think it's weird when I call him Grandpa. That's that's how much it's yeah. stuck these days. It, it took it took some adjustment when I started living with you to get used to that. <laughs> that was uh, I, that was an interesting one. I was like, why'd you call him Jeff? Yeah, yeah, man. Jeff Hardy is the guy for me. Yeah. All time favorite. Agreed. Well, that was uh, that's gonna wrap up number one here. That was long winded. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that was fun though. Yeah, I mean, I'm multi parts. You know, they yeah. can stick with us. They're but gonna we are gonna transition to one that's. The background here is still WWE related, so just showing what's been on my brain lately. <laughs> so there is, I don't know if you're aware of this, Don, but there is a podcast out on the interwebs called OSW Review, and that stands okay. for Old School Wrestling Love it. And Podcast. Um, and what they do is they do commentary over a lot of older, you know, one of their big thing was they, they covered like Hulkamania, like during those late eighties, early nineties, you know, that was a big thing on their website. Yeah. Um, so they have this thing on um, that they do on their episodes where they have this boy stable. Like these are guys that they called their boys. Okay. But they're guys who never made it to the top. They never were world champ. They never really competed for world championships, but they are still some of their favorite guys and have been for a long time just for whatever reason, even though they were never more than a mid-carder, you know, maybe. So I'm going to ask you, what? who would you put in your MMA 
boys stable because the answer is easy for me. I got three, and that's Alan Joban. I've talked about all three of these guys. Right, Drew right. Dober and Brandon Royval. And I don't think I need to explain any of those. All, all three based on fun fight styles, good personalities. I mean, Drew Dober just had a freaking war with Brad Rydell where he lost. Right. So it just shows again. He adds to his 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 mythicism as a <laughs> as is, a boy of my stable. So uh, uh, who are who is in your MMA boy stable? It's kind of tough, and I'm still even struggling here. I do love Raw Dog. He's mm-hmm. still so new into the UFC. Screw it. I'll go with Raw Dog as one of them, just because we love Raw Dog. We've been with him since the beginning. I'll go Brandon Roy Val. Mm-hmm. You know who's kind of a low-key sleeper for me that was like kind of a big name, big star? Chris Lieben. Never really had that mm. title fight. Nothing huge that came from I love him. that. I love but, that pick. Yeah, man, but the tough one, superstar, was always in fun fights, putting it all on the line. Mm-hmm. But never – I mean, for God's sake, he welcomed Anderson Silva into the UFC. <laughs> yes, I mean, he did. The poor guy. Uh, so I'll go Chris Lieben, Brandon Roy Val, and – one that's recently just fought one of the best fighters in the UFC to never get a title fight or win a title. I'll go Jacare Souza. I know he's not like the flashiest of guys, but a BJJ black belt that always went in and tried to finish people, even got some good knockouts over guys like Chris Weidman. And was so good in strike force, was still great in the UFC, but never like he would crack that top five, but couldn't get the title fight, couldn't get the title win. I'll go Jacare Souza as number three. That was an interesting last one. I like that. I like that. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't expecting that one. Not one of my like favorite fighters ever, but a guy that really you felt deserved it, but never got it. Yeah, he he was he should have gotten a title fight during oh, when right. Michael Bisping had the title and kind of held up the division. Yeah, no, don't disrespect Mike. Don't <laughs> don't take that the wrong way, but the division being kind of held up for right. know, a long time. Um, that was his time to get a title shot. Him and like Gegard Mousasi stuff yeah, like that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, but raw dog, work your way up there, baby. Yeah, he for all hey, he we might have to remove him from the boys if he True. gets a title fight here, like we expect him to get. So, True. Uh, number three, Ooh, I like this. strictly MMA here. Which currently ranked middleweight has the best chance of beating Israel Adesanya moving forward, excluding Mr. Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker, because. <laughs> It's not very fair. So this is going to give us, make us have to think outside the box here as far as uh, which of these guys kind of in this group. The damn guy's beaten so many of them already. It's so, so what's funny is I've said my answer, and it's yeah. not a popular one for this question. It's still Marvin Vittori. It's still Marvin Vittori. Okay. He just got 50-45. Yeah, on all three judges' scorecards. That speaks just, to how good Izzy is. Huh? It's more. It's to me. It's 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 about the style and Vittori striking is probably the biggest holdback. Like yeah, the biggest thing holding him back from really being able to beat Adesanya. He's a little too slow and plodding of a puncher and a striker in general to really give Adesanya, who's so quick and has great head movement, any problems. But the wrestling capabilities, he's a big guy. Um, it obviously didn't work uh, in the fight, but I still stand by it. Like, I just don't see a lot of these guys in this batch of contenders um, who gives him much of a problem. 
I guess I'll go with maybe the other obvious choice, number seven ranked Darren Till. I mean, it's kind of the fight mm-hmm. that we've, everybody's been wanting to see. The fans want to see it. The problem is Darren Till can't keep healthy to, climb, to get that win because the damn guy's one win away, essentially, from getting the title shot. And I'm not saying he would just go out there and starch Izzy. It would likely be a very slow-paced, strategic striking yeah. match, but – that gives him the chance to potentially outpoint Izzy. I know not many people will ever be able to do that, but if there is someone that can at least match the pacing and the output of Izzy in the feet, it probably would be a guy like Darren Till. That's kind sure. of really the only other choice. He's literally beating everybody else, and I look at the list of names, I'm like, can any of them do it? Again, Robert Whitaker excluded. But Darren Till, I just want to see that fight one day. That's one of the reasons I say it too. It would be fun. And just interesting to see how their striking matches up with one another. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I had to throw out a different name because Marvin Vittori just got 50 45. Yeah. Maybe a Jack or Manson, a submission specialist, a guy who yeah. can even be a little bit quicker on the submissions and things like that. He's he's a little faster than Vittori, but again, not going to have quite the strength to hold down Adesanya. Right. Um, not going to have the power in his punches, or and he's, and he's arguably a even more a lesser uh, puncher than Vittori is. Right. So, um, still, I don't think he's, it's enough, but you know, he could totally catch Adesanya in like a heel hook or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, that would be kind of the route there. So uh, yeah, I like that one now. Number four. And I think I didn't realize this, but we're, we're going to have pretty stark difference of opinion here. Did the Arizona crowd at UFC 263, make you miss fights without fans? Now, to answer the question directly, this specific event didn't make me miss fights without fans. Um, we were big in a kind of a hot take. We like the fights without the fans. We said that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. However, since we've had three events now with fans, it's so nice to hear the roar of the crowd and just see the interactions, people getting put on camera. So I... We still get fights without fans in the apex, so we're kind of getting kind of the best yeah. of both worlds. I will say, and this is where we'll differ, what you were talking about. I thought UFC 263, while it wasn't all positive cheering, was like the wildest, loudest, most back-to-normal fans at a UFC event that we've seen of the three so far. So I thought that was kind of unique. You heard the boos, you heard the cheers, everything in between. We've been a part of some of them weird chants, the woos and all that stuff. It, a little bit of everything was going on, so I thought it was pretty fun. And this is where we'll differ, so I'll let you take over here. Yeah, I loved the first two um, pay-per-view crowds uh, since we've been back. I thought they were fantastic. I thought they went nuts for, like, I thought UFC 2. What's funny is, I I mean, I've watched this on a pretty loud volume, and I didn't notice the crowd being any more, in my opinion, any more, I guess, Crazy than yeah, than like UFC 261, mm-hmm. where like when Rose knocked out Wei Li, yeah, yeah, and then Masvidal uh getting knocked out by Usman. Like, I, I felt like those reactions were just insane, yeah. And UFC 262 was a bit in the bit more tame, but still good. And you know, Oliveira picking up a huge one over Chandler, people right. went crazy. This one, though, I hated this crowd. <laughs> uh, this crowd completely made me miss fights without fans because anytime there was even a a hint, a glimpse of grappling, 
these people booed them out of the building. Okay. And I cannot stand that. Yeah. I get it. If you, I get it. A lot of times, the striking is going to be more fun. And if you're in a, if there's a firefight going on, and a guy goes for a takedown, you just kind of takes a little bit of a, kind of sucks you out of the, mm-hmm. the moment because you're like, oh, this was such a good fight. Why are you? Don't do that. Like it's going to slow it down. Right. But yeah, I will never respect a crowd that do uh, yeah. these fighters that are just trying to. Win like they're yeah. trying, that's all they're trying to do. I get it. You're spending your hard earned money to come to this show. Well, if you don't like it, stay the fuck home like you do. <laughs> I'm I was so just disgusted with this crowd. I yeah, I saw it. a lot of people talking about it on Twitter too, like making fun of it, like memes, like anytime the crowd goes down and there's <laughs> oh, you're gonna make me boo. And I, I don't want to get too vulgar <laughs> on this podcast, but yeah, that, you know what I'm talking about. It's you know, and and I'm not gonna pretend like it was all bad. I mean, he. Fights like the Dober Rydell one and stuff like that. You're right. I mean, they were going nuts. That then last like, minute of Nate and Leon. Yeah. That was crazy. The Craig, uh, Jamal Hill arm yeah. break, they were going nuts for. Um, but it's just. I get uh, what you're saying. Though. It just yeah. wasn't. They weren't my crowd. Like, I just get very. I get very easily. Like, I hurt, I feel for the fighters. Yeah. When I see this, this stuff happen. And a lot of people would just be like, ignore it. You know, and that's what I should do, but I just, uh, I can't. I just, right. my heart hurts for those fighters when I see them just being booed out of the building for simply using an aspect of their skills. Oh, the MMA, that's, yeah. That's why, and I, and that's why I, one of the reasons why I enjoyed fights without fans. Sure, those huge fights where, you know, when Rose knocked out Wei Lee, yeah. when Usman knocked out Masvidal, those moments, you want those in these big arenas. But, you know, it's kind of like weigh in the positives and negatives. I yeah, mean, there's yeah. pros and cons. Yeah. Um, number five. Which current Bellator champion mm-hmm. has the best chance of beating the respective UFC title holder? Well, I feel like it might be an obvious one. And that's just okay. because the damn guy holds two belts in two divisions. So he's got more for Pickens. Uh, yeah. Patrice, Patricio Pitbull, I mean, man, this guy's an absolute stud. It's hard to argue he couldn't come into the UFC right now and compete for a belt. What we've seen of this guy put on absolute clinics, beat guys like Michael Chandler, a belt holder in two divisions. And when you look at the matchups with the current UFC champs, okay, at 145, he would go up against guy in Volkanovski. Very similar builds. Both super well-rounded guys. Very stylistic, fun fight if those two matched up. If he goes up to 155, he's got a guy in Charles Oliveira. Two great Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, but two guys that are good on the feet. Uh, Oliveira, long and rangy. Pitbull, short and stocky with the power. Honestly, he's got two good matchups at both divisions, and it helps when you have two, so you got a better chance to come over to the UFC, more <laughs> picking. So maybe that's the more obvious choice. But let's be honest, he's their most dominant champion right now, so I got to go with Patricio Pitbull. Yeah, there's two others that I could think of. Uh, Vadim Nemkov is the light. That was the champion. one I sat on and almost uh, said. I think, though, Jan Blahovich is just showing how good he really is yeah. right now. And to me, I just don't know if I really see that happening. Here's an interesting one okay. because we never got to see this fight ran back. And for all I know, it wouldn't have went any different. What about Chris Cyborg? 
in a rematch with Amanda Nunes. You know, a lot of people look at that first fight and they just see Chris Cyborg got starched in 40-some seconds. And you know what? You're right. But But. (laughs) she landed some hard shots in that in those 40 seconds. And I'd just be interested to see how the second fight with those two would go. Yeah, and I know it's different level of competition right now and what we've seen Cyborg do since she came to Bellator. But she looks like a more complete fighter. She's doing things we never really saw. She would usually just come in, starch people on the feet, and that'd be it. But she's improved a ton in her grappling, in her jiu-jitsu. She secured her first submission victory in Bellator uh, in her title defense. So I know, again, the competition's less, so she can show off more, quote-unquote, whatever. But I still feel like she's getting better, and she could still compete with Amanda. My light is spazzing out. There we go. Um, I think it could be competitive, but the problem is Amanda has only gotten better since that fight too, and she's just so damn good. I couldn't quite say Cyborg, although it crossed my mind. i got to be honest. Yeah, I guess if I really think about it, and this isn't going to be maybe the popular opinion right now, I don't know. I think UFC champions might still sweep it if they ever went head-to-head. Patricio mm-hmm. Pitbull's probably the, That's the one guy who yeah. has a chance, and that could be either division, honestly. I could see him. Especially now without Habib, you know. Yeah, you got Charles Oliveira and then Volkanovski. I almost think he has a better chance at lightweight yeah. there than featherweight. But um, all in all, I, I think UFC champions might still sweep it, to be honest. That's just maybe yeah. a hot take right and, now. And but. odds are we're never going to see it, right? So yeah. We could just dream. Yep. Number six, where does Davison Figueredo stack up in a potential move to the men's bantamweight division? I know we talked a little bit about this yeah. on Monday's episode, but to elaborate, I still I see him as a title challenger. I do too. Yeah. Those are my Big expectations guy. for him. He mm-hmm. goes up ten pounds. I don't see it. I know he's gonna be not like he's not gonna be a Big in the bantamweight division, yeah. Like it's, but his power is still going to hold up at 135 pounds. And his what's the well-rounded skill (laughs) set? The guy is fantastic everywhere. Yeah, he might not have showed in that rematch with Moreno, but you, you guys, any person who's seen a Davison Figueroa fight before that one knows this guy is an absolute savage. He's fantastic everywhere. Yeah, I think he gives pretty much everybody in that top ten at bantamweight fits. Well, I mean, just in terms of, like, where do we think he stacks up? You look at the matchups we think should be next for him on Monday's episode. I said a former champion, number nine-ranked Dominic Cruz, one of the greatest bantamweights of all time. You're going to have to remind me who you said, but I know number it was the top three, five. Number Rob Font. Yeah, I mean, look at what Rob Font's doing right now. So that answers this question. I mean, where do we think he stacks up? <laughs> he stacks up and lines up just perfectly to eventually fight <laughs> for a title up there. He's yeah. going to be a lot less fresher. I said this on Monday. I'm going to say it again now. 10 pounds might not seem like enough, but when you're a guy that's cutting weight and you walk around at 165, 135 is going to feel a lot better than 125. I think he does have a relatively bright future and a decently high ceiling at 135 pounds. Yep, couldn't have said any better myself. Number seven, sticking with this flyweight title fight, we have the winning side here, Brandon Moreno. How long? Do we see Brandon Moreno holding that flyweight title? And I'm going to just – I'm going to take this one to start because yeah. I really do think that if he can get past his first title defense, which it looks like – because let's assume Davison goes up 10 pounds, all right? Yep. Let's just assume that Davison's out of the picture. I know that's not 
100%. reality right now, but uh, I'm just going to assume that. If Moreno can beat Askar Askarov, who he had a draw with the first time they fought, yep. then I really do think he can be a long-standing champion. You got to look at how he matches up with all these guys. I mean, Moreno can do it all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, he stacks up well against guys like Pantoja. Yep. Roy Val. Yep. I mean, even if – I mean, you're never going to see Benavidez get another title fight. but a Benavidez, Alex Perez, though. Alex Dude. Perez. Um, there's a lot of guys in there, and even guys on their way up. I mean, Kai Kara France, I think he stacks up well with. Von Teron. Um, there's some guys even like that Raleigh and Paiva, guys like that yep. on the, the back, back half. Sue Matarezzi, that's a guy. Yeah, you're big on him. Um, I'd be interested to see if Matarezzi can keep stacking some wins up, how that fight would go, Uh, because Matarezzi is pretty big for that flyweight division. So uh, I think Moreno has a good chance to hold this belt for a couple years even. You know, this is is the reality. In MMA, it moves so fast. Yeah. But it feels so long. (laughs) Like we just had Davis and Figueredo lose his title felt like he was the champ forever and he was only tight he wasn't even champ i guess maybe a year yeah maybe not even a year not even officially yeah but yeah. i mean you look at guys like well i was talking about robbie lawler earlier mm-hmm. only held the belt for close to two years but you look you at know, what he did in those yeah. fights even dominant champions like kamaru usman right now is still champion yeah he's only held the belt for two years yeah you can be dominant at, without having yeah. these reins like Anderson Silva and yeah, GSP. It's just, it's just, uh, it's a different. The sport's just so it moves so fast, but it, it feels every time feels so much longer. Yeah, in the sport, like it feels like Usman's been champion for five years. Yeah, the good way to put it, really. Then, can he have a multi-defense title reign? Answer to that: yes. Yes. yes, I really think he can. The version of Moreno we just saw fight Davison this past Saturday. Was unbelievable. He beat Figueredo in every aspect of that fight and controlled mm-hmm. that fight for 12 minutes and 26 seconds. His jab was lightning fast. He had power. He dropped Davison with a jab for crying out loud. His wrestling on point, jujitsu, well, he submitted a black belt. <laughs> I mean, this guy checks all the boxes. He's only 27 years old. He's only going to keep getting better. He's got a whole nation behind him in Mexico now who damn sure doesn't want to see him lose that belt. This guy has more motivation now than he ever has before. And that's after being picked last on tough. That's after being cut from the UFC. Brandon Moreno, the assassin baby. Woo-wee. I'm telling you, Noah. Yeah, your light really liked that one. My, my light is going bonkers right now. <laughs> it's just but, adding uh, some flavor back here. Though. Yeah, but I uh, completely agreed. And that's, a, and that's a great way to kind of end on this is that uh, all in all, what they say about <laughs> – when you're winning the title, the real work starts at after you win the title, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Staying motivated, staying hungry. You're not you a these champion. Challengers, yeah. you know, the chase for the belt sometimes is easier than holding on to it. So um, for Moreno, I think he's got a good – you're right. He's got a lot of motivation to still fuel him moving forward as if he needs it. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I like his chances to hold on to it for a little bit. Number eight. We've talked about this one a lot, but this is one of my favorite topics right now. You are loving Name, this reason. I love this topic as just a – I wouldn't even – man, I don't know. There's just something about this topic that's so interesting because I never thought about it before, really, these two guys. Yeah. 
Name a few fighters who have a chance of being the next Charles Oliveira or Jan Blahovich. And explain that a little. As in guys who right now today are not being looked at as title challengers or, uh, you know, obviously they've never held a title. They're still on the come up. But a year or so from now, they could be champion. It's that, and that, that's, and that's, you know, that's, that is a lot to, to grow that much in a year. Oh, yeah. It's hard to do, man. I believe when we talked about this previously, I said a guy like Vicente Luque, but now I'm just thinking like Luque just might be too far along to even count him. Yeah. He's got a fight with Michael Chiesa book. That's a new story for Friday, but, uh, like if he wins that, he might be right there. And you know, for me, I think it's it's got to be in my head like more than one fight to really get there. So it's a guy that's going to be grinding over this next year, right? Here's a fun. Here's a name that might surprise you. Okay. And again, his ranking might be a little too high to even count him in this, but I'm still going to do it. Light heavyweight Magomed Ankalaev. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that guy's got a high ceiling. Um, not the most fan-friendly style, but at the same time, you look at like the fights he had with uh, Jan Kudalaba, yeah, just starched him on the feet. But then you see what he does in some of his submission wins, and when he's on the ground, he's a he's a complete package there at light heavyweight. Well, and you know what I think kind of needs to be taken in consideration when we have a topic like this: who's mm-hmm. the champ in that weight class that we're going to discuss? And that leads me back to light heavyweight. You just mentioned Ankalaev. I'm going with another guy, and this might be kind of obvious, but a guy that's still coming off of a loss, Jimmy Crew. He's one of the biggest mm-hmm. prospects at all the UFC. He's like, what, 25, 26? He's super young, super talented. He's already got huge wins. And, yeah, he just came off of that loss to Anthony Smith. But, number one, it's Anthony Smith. Number two, his leg did the stanky leg. He lost the nerves <laughs> and all that weird stuff. Jimmy Crew's definitely one. But I'm looking through the uh, – the rankings here now, and here's the only <clears throat> issue. There's a lot of champions here that seem like the type of champions that can really reign for quite some time. I mean, yeah. here's kind of one I might throw out. This could be maybe a hot take. What about a guy like RDA at lightweight? Could he ever work his way back to be a two-time <laughs> champ? He's number seven right now, one fight into his new you know, run at that weight class. He beat Paul Felder on short notice. I don't know. He matches up well with a lot of guys, but bad at the same time. He's he just matches such an up. odd matchup. He matches up better than anybody's going to think he will. But yeah, man. Oh, I, I definitely think RDA could. He's not out of it by any means. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw out an even crazier name. A guy okay. who is 0-2 in the UFC right now. Ooh. Manel Cape at Flyweight. Yes. We just talked about Moreno. Yes. How he can hold for a long time. I still believe in Manel Cape. Man. I love that one. That's yeah. a great choice. Start and 0 he, 2 right now in the UFC. And in, in that last one, right? The first fight, his UFC debut, didn't really let anything yeah. go. Very that was bad. against Pantoja. Yes. Pantoja looked amazing in that fight. And the second one looked a little better. Still was hesitant, but started to pick it up. And mm-hmm. that round three, Manel Cape, if we see that guy for a full fight, that guy competes with any of those top five flyweights. Former undoubtedly. Rising champion. Rising champion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they hyped up the guy so much when he came in. That's a great one. A guy that's not even ranked right now. I love that. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. I mean, Sue Matarezzi is another one at Flyweight. Flyweight's yeah. got some real 
some real diamonds in the rough, if you will. I mean, Matarazzi is a ranked guy right now, but uh, just like as far as guys that, you know, it's a division that's not uh, – it doesn't have a ton of names. Like it's, it's just in general not a ton of bodies. It's the smallest division. Yeah. But there's some guys in there, man, that are that are really talented and could really do a lot of damage in this division. I mean, I still think Roy Val – He's a oh, lot further. Well, let's throw him into this mix too. While we're yeah. at it, I mean, and I got one more. I actually wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I'm gonna go two real quick. I, this mm-hmm. one, I, I get to thinking. I'm looking at the names. So number one, women's strawweight current champion, obviously, uh, Rose Namajunas. Don't forget about my girl Amanda Hebos, ladies and gentlemen, Ooh. because she started in the UFC four zero. Yes, she lost her last one, but that was against Marina Rodriguez in a fight that she dominated the first round in. And look at what Marina's doing right now. Yeah. She's on it. She's looking like she's going to be fighting for a title in one or two more fights. Right. Amanda Hebos, as well-rounded as they come, on the ground, can improve on the feet, but is shown to compete with others in the feet. It's just Marina was a different level, fair to say. And then another one in the women's division, and this goes for two weight classes, Tatiana Suarez. Don't forget about her, ladies and gentlemen, because you're not going to find her in them rankings. But she's a top five women's fighter in the UFC roster right now. She's coming back with a vengeance this fall. It's supposed to be 125 pounds. I think either weight class, she's fighting for a title within a year of when she returns, undoubtedly. Man, uh, those, the, Tatiana, you know, that's a good one. It might be like one that people go, oh, well, that's obvious but it's not because she's nobody she's been injured we got to see it's her. like she's definitely in that you must have forgot type yeah oh yeah right now. she's definitely going to come back with a vengeance i believe 100 percent. trying to make sure i don't miss anybody here before we move on Th- um, this could be this could just go and go as yeah, we I keep mean, you know thinking. giga giga right now yes um, yes again a guy who maybe his recent win over cub swanson is kind of over clouding I guess the rest of his resume, not all the time in the most fan friendly of fights, which people think, well, that doesn't matter, but it does when you're being matchmaked by the UFC brass, they don't, if you're a guy who puts on really fun fights and you keep winning, you're going to get a title shot before a guy who kind of, you know, goes to some boring decisions. Chikadze, despite being the electric striker, he is, has some boring decision wins. You know, he'll sit there and kind of play tip for tap for three rounds with people. It's just yeah. not saying that he's – I'm not saying he's a boring fighter or a bad fighter. I'm just saying so far some of his fights have been a little less than spectacular. So that's the only thing that could probably hold him back. But coming off that huge win over Cub Swanson, the Giga, chick, the Giga kick, excuse yeah. me, yeah. Um, it looks like – he's about to be pushed along a little bit faster. I remember when we talked about this before, I also threw out Edmund Shavazian. I don't know if I can say that anymore. I he's think that got some very big holes to work on. Yeah, agreed. Um, but he's the youngest on this list. I mean, he, yeah. he's he got time to season up. I want to go back to featherweight real quick. Here we go. We're really going now <laughs> yeah. on this one. The UFC veteran, Noah, moved down 145, Edson Barbosa. Hey, Oof, hey yes. man. He never got that it. title fight at 155. He could even go back to that question from earlier, a guy mm-hmm. that never fought for a title. Edson looks really good at 145. Oh, if he can I... keep making that weight. Look at that fight with Burgess. That might be the best one that we've thrown out. I think so at 145, he can work up those ranks. I really do. 
stick with Featherweight for one more. <laughs> Let's do it. Come on. Movzar Evloev. After the performance we just yeah. saw, the only problem for this guy, no one's going to want to fight his ass. Yep. It's the same with Islam Makachev. It's just yeah. he's yeah. going to be stuck there for a while trying to – Undefeated. Trying. Oh, man. That dude's a beast. Trying to claw his way to contention. You know? mm. Featherweight – it's starting to creep up as like it might take the crown here in another year for the most stacked division in the UFC. Yeah. That division is unreal. Yeah, the talent in these divisions is crazy. But I digress. That Ooh. that was uh, that, that was, one yeah, was fun. On <laughs> topic number nine. Since we Ooh. just did a lot of rankings talk right there, yeah, seems like a fair way to <laughs> transition here. Are rankings even worth it, Dom? If nobody. <sighs> seems to ever be pleased with them that is true right no one ever is pleased with the rankings once i mean i've been hearing a lot of talk today about you know the the updates came out and you know he's pissed about them i enjoy them for clarity Mm -hmm. i'm just you, you know when you're at any other sport you see oh the reds are in second place uh the clippers are fourth in the western conference so on and so forth it's kind of just something like that keeps it more of a sport, quote-unquote, where I like to see where is this guy stacking up with the rest of the division. problem is essentially the media members put this list together, which isn't a bad thing. The media people follow it just as much as us do, obviously. But I'd prefer if it, if it came more from the UFC in some sort of way or fashion because you can't necessarily do, like, standings, like wins and losses. That It don't work that way, obviously, in the UFC. But I don't know if there's just a better way to do it I like the rankings. I don't like the rankings. I'm just going to sit right in the middle of the fence. I, I want to keep them for clarity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I'm curious to see what you think on this. Um, I think a better comparison for UFC rankings than like standings mm-hmm. in these other sports is like power rankings. Yeah. Which I believe yeah. are also put together by members of media or um, media conglomerates, whatever it is. Who do these people um, think are the best and why? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of opinion based and that's there's really no um, there's no perfect way yeah there's no like statistical analysis to yeah that at least has been uncovered yet to show who is pound you know in these divisions the number one guy number two number three um so i think i like them again how you said it for clarity purposes i like that i i see you know it just gives me a good picture of kind of where guys are at you least. You can create in, paths where they can go, mm-hmm. you know? But I do think um, there is a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all in all, if you're going to have rankings, right, you should probably follow them a lot closer than the UFC do. Yeah. And even if that means you have to do more, like if, if, if the UFC have a fight they really want, but the guy might be ranked just a couple spots too low. I mean, I think there's more room for like having these, I think big changes in the rankings should be more of a thing. I swear it seems like a lot of times these rankings move at a snail's pace, and it's like, why is Damian Maya still ranked number nine at welterweight? Like, Did anybody think that Damian Maya was the number nine welterweight in the world anymore? Right. But now because the UFC kind of refused – to keep moving him back. And this, I don't know if this is the right way to go about this, but I'm just talking aloud here. Do it. Aloud. But, like, now Bilal Muhammad gets a win. Yeah. So he takes that spot, and it's like, 
was Bilal Muhammad the number nine welterweight in the world? I don't think so. Right. So if Bilal Muhammad goes up against a guy who's pretty good and wins, then all this – so it's just like it kind of waters it down when you have guys ranked in certain spots who I don't think are really that great. Like Tony Ferguson probably shouldn't have been ranked, what, number five going into that Benil Dariush fight? Yeah. Like it's obvious by these – I think you can – it shouldn't just be wins and losses. How they analyze lose, how these they performances win. and just adjust accordingly. Even if Tony dropped to like like five, six spots after that fight, all he has to do if he beats Darius and like starches him, yeah, comes out, and knocks him out, or submits mm-hmm. him quickly, he moves forward five or six spots. It's right. cool. I think that you could do just much more drastic changes by event to event. Right. Um, it would just keep things a little more fresh. Um, a little bit this, more. Um, this isn't a perfect science either. Like, for all I know, this would be a disaster too. And nobody, people would probably still be pissed off about it. Because let's be honest, MMA fans, you're never going to be able to please all of them. Yeah. You know, I saw people complaining today about uh, the rankings where um, the flyweight division, uh, what's her name that got the win on uh, Lauren Murphy? Lauren Murphy didn't move up. Yeah, she's just at three. But the two people in front of her are Caitlin Chikagian and Andrade. And I, if I'm being honest, I probably wouldn't put her above those two. I mean, Caitlin's off of a win uh, against in a more convincing, I guess, way. And Andrade mm-hmm. just lost to the champ. But look what she did to Chikagian. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just, and I at the little... end of the day, Lauren's probably fighting for the belt anyway. So what's it yeah. even matter? I mean, three. yeah. So. I think if you're gonna like, I'm I'm fine with the way they are. I get it; they're not perfect, and I think they're more. They should be more served as like a like they're more there for uh, assistance or like a they're like a supporting document almost. Yeah, but they shouldn't be the Bible. They should right. be just like a like a guide. Yeah, like, this is kind of how we think things stack up right now. But obviously, you know, Lauren Murphy's going to get a title shot. Probably she's number three. Yeah. It's it doesn't have to always be the number one person because then you got you know is Warren Murphy better than Andrade right now? Has she shown that she's better than Andrade right now? I don't think so. Therefore, she so shouldn't pass her. So right? I don't yeah. want to see Lauren as number one just because that's the fight that makes sense for a title, and you have to put the number one contender in the title mm-hmm. fight. So, yeah, people people like to complain about him a lot, but I mean. Unless they're offering solutions, then they're probably just going to complain about them even if they were changed. Right, right. Number 10. Is the fact that the ultimate fighter returned with essentially no changes disappointing or necessary? Uh, you know... You you want me to take it or you... Well, I was just going to say maybe, maybe, because, again, this is the return. Been a few years. Mm-hmm. Are they keeping it simple for the simple fact that it's just a reboot? We're testing the waters. Are people going to watch it? It's on a new program. It's on ESPN+. Plus. you got to be a subscriber to watch it. How's it going to fare? If it performs really well, maybe next year we spice it up a little bit. We do something different. If it performs poorly, well, we'll just keep doing it the same way because – the UFC ultimately loves tough. We've talked about that. So would I like every Tuesday night when I get on to watch it in the evening, would I prefer to have something else 
to make it more entertaining to watch? Yeah, of course, we all would. But at the same time, keeping it kind of the, the to the roots kind of feels just organic and not forced. And it, I don't know. I don't want it to become too, like, stupid out there reality TV where it seems like maybe something's staged. I, I don't know. I want to see how this season goes before I can answer it truthfully. So right now, I'll sit right in the middle. That's what you've been doing a lot today, isn't it? Yeah, that one, I don't know. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. This one's a little bit like – because truthfully, I'm a little disappointed by it. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a better solution in mind. And I'm one of those people that I don't like to complain about things unless I can offer something solution. And here the problem is, is that I think what it boils down to is I just really like the Contender Series – I love it so much. And I know the Contender Series isn't perfect. Really tough is probably a better way to analyze talent long term. Mm-hmm. But I just – I love the idea of the Contender Series, the, the the job interview, you know, the you get one shot kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, like, any changes that I would make to the Ultimate Fighter, I feel like at this point you have that alternative with – the contender series, the ultimate fighter is still worthwhile because at the end of the day, you're getting talent on yeah. the show, exposing them to an audience, getting to learn their stories, their personalities. And then ultimately you hopefully will create some stars based on who wins or who competes really well. Yeah. Even people so, that don't win from there can yeah. come on, you know? Yeah. I mean, Brandon Moreno. Yeah, exactly. Was the last ranked guy in his season and he just won a title. So, I mean, I'm just, yeah, it's not always the winner of the season, right? But I just I, I don't really know what I would improve about the Ultimate Fighter to like make it more what I guess I was in my head. I kind of put some unfair expectations going into the season that like, oh, they're gonna like come out and do something completely different with the show, and it, it's the same show. It really right. is, and I mean. You know, Dana, whenever he's asked this question, he always says the apex, which I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess but I, I just don't really see it that way. It's just, um, yeah, maybe I think, again, I think this is all goes down to maybe the ultimate fighter. Just I know the UFC love it. Dana loves it. We're probably never going to see it go away completely. But I think as a concept, maybe it's just kind of passed me by. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, I mean, I'll still keep up with it for the prospects and for the fights that are on there. And I, I like hearing from our coaches, Ortega and Volkanovsky. But yeah. all in all, Contender Series is just, I think, a better. And even Dana White looking for a fight. <laughs> they got I love coaches. that concept on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, those are. Well, that feels like a TV show. You know yeah. what I mean? When you're yeah. watching that more than any of the other ones. Right. Do. So. so, yeah, that, that was a long-winded way of kind of saying necessary i think out of the two options mm-hmm. um I, I just think that um i don't have much to offer in terms of an alternative so right fair enough. number 11 we have three july main events planned right now mcgregor versus poirier holloway versus rodriguez sandhagen versus dillashaw the question is dom which of these three will be the best fight Hmm. Okay. 
thought process. Should we should we start reverse? Which which of these three is going to be the worst fight and go from there? Oh, <laughs> let me just, let me rant for a second. I need to just okay. throw these thoughts out of my head. Okay, McGregor Poirier, the trilogy, two knockouts or one knockout apiece. Right, we're in the trilogy. I would love if it goes the same way that Cormier and Stipe did. Two knockouts in the first two fights. Then, to settle it all, a five-round war. That's what I want of McGregor Poirier. Holloway Rodriguez, <laughs> after what we just saw from Max, it's hard to say this guy just won't come in and rail Yair, but <laughs> Yair we haven't seen in quite some time either, and he's been known to put on some great performances. Sandhagen Dillashaw, that's the one to me. I, I'm going to go Sandhagen Dillashaw. I, mm-hmm. I think that fight stylistically, we've talked about it for months. It sucks it got delayed, but now it's in the – have we ever seen three straight boom, 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 back-to-back main, back-to-back-to-back main events like this? This is just beautiful. I'm going to answer Sandhagen Dillashaw. I had to talk about the first two before mm-hmm. I could give the answer. I That fight to me is a number one contender fight. It's well, really all of these could potentially be number one contender, but damn it, styles make fights, and Sanhagen Dillashaw is the one for me. That's the one, yeah. That, I mean, all three of these could be fight of the year, you can't go wrong at all. I mean, they're all three fantastic. Uh, for me, if I'm a betting man, right, and it's like you have to bet on which is going to be the best fight, right? I would put my money on McGregor Poirier three, and the reason for that. As I look at Holloway Rodriguez and Sandhagen Dillashaw in similar lights, they both should be really good fights, but there's a lot of questions about Yair Rodriguez and yep. TJ Dillashaw as they're yep. both coming back from long layoffs. Rodriguez doing it against the best version of Max Holloway oh. we've ever seen, yeah. the hungriest Max Holloway we've ever seen, the most pissed off Max Holloway we've ever seen. Yeah, um, and he's he's having to come back after some turmoil kind of in his uh private life with the you know being suspended by usada things like Mm -hmm. that tj dillashaw (laughs) pop for epo two years ago not everybody's favorite fighter yeah over two years ago um what kind of fighter is he going to be returning is he going to be a shell of his former self he's not getting any younger but uh i hope he comes back and looks spectacular and that's an awesome fight because tj dillashaw is whether you like it or not, maybe the best bantamweight of all time, if not second. And he's kind of coming in just like Yair in this one because look at what Sanhagen's doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I was – yeah, Sanhagen is just Shoot. like everybody. The way he knocked out Frankie Edgar. Um, outside of Aljamain Sterling, the guy's been flawless. That loss to Aljo lit a fire in that kid's ass. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to stick with McGregor Poirier. I do – in my head, I see that third fight. I don't know if it'll be a war, but I see I could see it going five rounds. Yeah, I and you know something about it. It feels a lot like the second Nate Diaz fight to me, which was a war. Yeah, and um, I just I, I definitely both guys I think are kind of be coming in just super motivated. Um, you know, now people are starting to ask questions about Conor McGregor. Is Father Time caught up? Has the game passed him by? Yeah, which you know is just going to light a fire under his ass. Dustin Poirier trying to show it's not a fluke. It wasn't just leg kicks. It was a yeah. complete performance and um, really just try to put the nail on the – Nail on the coffin. Yeah, that's like this is my rivalry. Like this is, you know, my legacy beating Conor McGregor two out of three times. Yeah. Um, so I, if I was a betting man, I would put it on that. But any three of these 
as long as one of these three live up, I'll be That's happy. enough for me. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for the ones that I found across, or we found, excuse me, across, you know, uh, Reddit, Twitter, YouTube. So, Dominic, we do have one viewer yeah. entry, and that's from our good friend, Jordan. Yeah. So do you want to go ahead and uh, pull it up? Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. JP's voice message. Hello, below average Joe. This is Jordan. I just have one quick question. If you can bring in one MMA fighter or personality onto the podcast, who would it be? Hmm. Okay. All right, Jordan. It's a good one, it's a good one to end it on here. One relating yeah. to the podcast. I like this question. Thank you, JP, for submitting it. Do you want to go first or should I go first? You. It's because I wasn't ready. No, I just got a bunch of names I'm rattling through my yeah. head, to be honest. See, this is why I think we're going to differ on this one because we've talked about this a lot behind the scenes. But uh, so it might not, you know, I'm sorry, JP, this might not be the answer you're looking for. Oh, you're going with this answer. Okay, okay. But none. <laughs> none. And um, there's a reason for that. The reason in my opinion, when you, when you have a lot of these people, I don't want to say in our space, cause we're still trying to figure out what our space is, but you have these guys like Ariel Hawani, Luke Thomas, these guys who interview fighters. Yeah. Most of those fighter interviews are kind of a waste of time. Copy and paste. Yeah. And I mean, that's not a knock on the fighters. I get it. It's PR, you know, you want to have good publicity. So you just kind of say, the right things and you know it's very vanilla interviews just copy paste like you said you know same answers no you don't really find out anything about these guys and then that's it yeah and then even with mma personalities it's like i would love to have a conversation with dana white but if i had to interview him on this podcast I'm being honest, I'm probably going to be pretty positive through the whole thing. I don't think I'm going to challenge him on things like fighter pay and stuff like right. that. It's just, it's not, I don't, I'm not knowledgeable enough about some of these topics that people would want me to be knowledgeable about if I'm interviewing this guy. Right. And that's fine. People can, there's people that do that. They interview fighters very well. The Schmo, he's a great interviewer. It's just not what I personally want to do. I just don't mm -hmm. have any interest because then there's the problem of as we grow, hopefully, and let's say we get to a point where we do have some clout, maybe some fighters watch us or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, fighters can get pretty pretty emotional about yeah. uh, things they don't like. So you have to if we have someone on our podcast, it's like this if we want to continue to have interviews with that person. It's like, we always have to talk positively about anything they do. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to be and just, I don't want to be fake about anything I do on this podcast. And um, that's why I'm just going to avoid really having any sort of conversations with most people in the community. If I had to choose a name though, I would say John Anik. Ooh. He's, a great, he's a great interviewer. Yeah. Uh, he, Anytime I've watched any of his interviews he's done on other podcasts, he's really just – he really is insightful and gives really thorough answers. And I think it'd just be interesting to kind of pick his brain. And um, obviously a big fight fan, so I think it'd yeah. be fun to kind of 
dig deep on that guy's past and everything and kind of his story. If I could pick one person from the MMA kind of, you know, roster, fighters, commentators, all that, to just sit down and not even interview in a typical interview style, but just sit down and literally just be like a part of the podcast, cut the shit with them, talk the breeze, do a preview with them, you know, something like that. Mr. Irish Dragon, Paul Felder. Hmm. I love this man on commentary. I think he's truly the best of the fighter commentaries. I I think he's awesome. And I think he's only going to keep getting better. But an ex-fighter, just recently retired, been in some absolute wars, could go over the struggles of weight cutting that he's had so a few times in the past. The struggles of these close split decisions that he's been a part of and how that can affect him mentally in the fight game and his family life, his story. He's a guy that I would really want to dig into, talk with, how he has transitioned into this great commentary role. Why is that so motivational? I just, I really love everything about the Irish Dragon and Paul Felder. I know that's probably one that's pretty random. We both kind of gave some random answers here, and we didn't even discuss this prior, but right. I really enjoy Paul Felder, man, especially in these recent years, recent fights, and now always doing with the UFC. I think he just has a such such a great mind for the sport. I would love to sit down and pick his brain about all things in the fight game. So I'll go Paul Felder. I like your way of spinning that into like including them in like a preview. Yeah. Where we just something the fight breakdown. I would still stick with John Anik for that one. If oh, could to. you imagine doing that with Johnny? Wow. Yeah, just because you know he's going to come prepared and probably even more than we do. Yeah, um, right. And uh, This man's going to come in with freaking six pages of notes and everything. Yeah, yeah. he said he still handwrites his notes. So I, He I put my nitty-gritty to shame. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, hopefully that uh, was good enough answers for you, JP. Appreciate you sending in a question. Yeah, of course. Um, if you we guys, want more of those. Yeah. If you guys listening at home would like to be included on a future episode of this segment of the Reddit Roundtable – you too can submit a question by using the link in our link tree. If you go to either of our bios, you see at Diesel 14 at NT Baker underscore at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. Um, if you go there to our link tree, there's a link in there to leave a voice message on our anchor page um, up to 60 seconds. You can ask us as many questions as you want. Yeah. Do a rapid <laughs> fire on there. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we'll include them in the podcast. We'll give you a shout-out. If you would rather submit it and stay, you know, anonymous, want us to play it, stay anonymous, you can just send it. We'll just answer do it. it how we did the rest of these on here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just to put that option out there to people, because I'd like to get to a point. The Reddit roundtable is kind of a name, but really I just want to be able to answer Questions. A conversation piece. Yeah, answer a lot of topical questions or just fun questions in this kind of open space. And yeah. uh, right now, Reddit's kind of the way to find a lot of those. But hopefully down the line, it'll just be viewer questions. Right, exactly. As this community builds. Q&A kind of thing. So right. um, that was just kind of a peek behind the curtains of kind of what we're trying to do here. But all in all, uh, thank you guys for j- tuning in for today's episode, today's edition of the Reddit Roundtable. And uh, Dominic, well, I guess I'll start with Friday. We Friday, don't forget. Big fight. <laughs> Korean zombie, Danny Gay, 50K. Going to be a really violent and fun headliner, I do Someone's believe. Someone's going home with 50K, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So that's going to be happening on Friday. And then obviously Monday we will give the results and recap of those fights that we will preview on Friday. Until then, though, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social yeah, as media. N- as Noah already mentioned, uh, find me on Twitter, Instagram, at DCLE14. More importantly, find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast on there. You can find all the links that Noah's going to talk about. But, yeah, if you want to leave voice messages, and it doesn't have to be just the Wednesday roundtables or whatever. If you want to preview a fight for us, True. give your prediction, True. recap what you think's next, anything, leave a voice message. We'll find a way to feature you so long as you're not, you know, getting too rowdy and crazy, but no, yeah. take us out. Yeah. Good way to <laughs> say you could be in any episode, not just these. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as for me, uh, you see it right there. Or if you're listening, uh, if you go to my Twitter or Instagram, it's at NT Baker underscore. Don't forget and the underscore. There. Yeah. Don't forget that <laughs> on there. There is on my bio, there is a link to our link tree. Gives you the links to all the platforms. The podcast is on along with the Below Average Joe's social media platforms, so like the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, uh, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. All those links are on there. There's a couple links for our Anchor page, leaving a voice message is on there. And if you want to donate to the podcast, there's a link on there for that as well. You can find all that at my bio at ntbaker underscore Instagram. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's it. We're out. We'll see you all on Friday.